uh, middle school skate night. So it's coming Saturday, April 16th, 7.30 p.m. You meet at the fairground roller rinks with 10 bucks. That includes your admittance and your rentals. So you can go skating. Junior high. Why, why, why are you heckling me? Why are you heckling me? I know I'm built like a junior high girl, but I can't go. You know what we need? We need one of those uh, ice skating rinks. That'd be cool, right? I skated once. I fell down on the person in front of me, and their thing went right in my knee. Of course it did, because that's what happens when I do things. I get hurt and need Band-Aids. Uh, my other friend Dan asked me to tell you guys this, that CareNet Pregnancy Center is doing their ninth annual Golf for Life. So if you are a golf person, guess we're not. Okay, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Anybody likes to play golf? Uh, April 30th, they're doing, at Rancho Maria, they're doing uh, their golf tournament. Talk to me if you want info. I'll just let you look at this and stuff. But I tell you, I've, I've played golf seven times in my life. I have hit every person I've ever played golf with. With the golf ball. Not like, ah! You know, but I mean like with the golf ball. It's like, I was playing one time with uh, Mike, the guy's drummer, and, and his brother, and, and I go, boom, and the ball goes, boom, and it hit the guy behind me. I don't know how it happens. I don't know. I have a gift. I have a gift. I like driving the carts, though. Anyway, so... Uh, uh, lastly, a serve Santa Maria, which is a day that we try to encourage all of you to go out and uh, participate doing things and giving back to our community is actually next Saturday. If you are interested in doing that, sign up in the back. The guy in charge that will get a hold of you. It's just a couple hours out of your Saturday where you give back into our community. Uh, there's various different projects we've done throughout the year. I don't know what our projects are this year. Uh, but we would love to have you show up and participate and be a part of that and give back into our community. So again, it's next Saturday morning. Sign up in the back. They'll get a hold of you and let you know. So welcome to Element. Uh, if you're new, there are Bibles in the back. If you don't uh, own one, you can have one. If you forgot one, you can use one. There are sermon notes on all the communion tables. They look like this. On the inside, there's some notes that go deeper into what we're talking about, as well as some questions to take you deeper. If you have a smartphone, you can download an app. It's called Uversion. Click on Live. No, sorry. Eek. Click on Events. Is it Events? Yeah. Events. They changed the app, and it ruins me. Uh, click on Events in there, and it'll bring us up a GPS in your smartphone. You'll get sermon notes versus questions, announcements, all that goes along with today's message. So, so what's up with the bases in the hallway? Can people... Can people, like, don't take them or? No, don't take them. They're there to look at. I'm helping. Like, last time, they're in the hallway, and people are like, oh, hey, this is awesome. And they take them home. Because a lot of times, things that we let you guys take home sit in the hallway. And it's like, people took my stainless steel bases. So don't take them. Just look at them on the way by and be like, ah, move on. You're like, are you so embarrassed right now or what? I think Chris is. So, uh, sorry. It's going to be one of those days, by the way. I'm a, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here. I want you to stand there. You're reading to God's Word. Oh, we'll all come back together. It'll be okay. Uh, this is Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Don't. <laughs> or be. It's the creepiest church I've ever been to. <laughs> 
All the churches of Christ greet you. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people uh, who love and worship and honor you by how we love one another. I ask that you would teach us how to be members of one another and lift you up in how we uh, live and how we worship and, and how we do everything. And that you would be the God who reigns over it all. And we remember that you are the reason why we live the way that we do. Amen. I'm seat. All right, so this is Acts week 12. We're going to go through some stuff and better ways to help focus us on what Jesus calls us to be as a church. Uh, we believe there are identifiable markings that come out of the book of Acts that teach us. When we talk about the church, there's kind of two parts to that. There is the worldwide church. Every believer everywhere is part of what God would call his church. But then there are also local churches that kind of begin to live that out in their community. And a local church isn't just three, five, ten people saying, hey, let's get together and talk about God and pray and read some verses and call ourselves a church. The Bible, again, shows some identifiable markings of what that looks like, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm hoping today is very practical for you. You may walk out of here thinking you didn't even really get a sermon. You just heard Aaron rant on for about half an hour, but that's how it works sometimes. We're going through the book of Acts for a couple reasons. Number one, if Element is your church home, we want to want you to know what we are striving for and what you can actually help us with. Because we don't do all of these things perfectly. We probably don't do many of them well, but we can step in and help one another to do them better. And secondly, if you do move, we want you to know what to look for in a church wherever you go to. I mean, seriously, okay, raise your hands if you have had a church experience, whether good or bad, before Element. See? Like, lots of you, right? Now... Now, how about if you plan to have a church experience after element? Don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. <laughs> My ego can't take that, so we're just going to leave it like that. Uh, now, th- th- this is the idea. A lot of you guys will move on at some point in your lives. We would hope you'd be here for a long time, that we would go through ups and downs together, but life is what it is, and people move, and California runs out of water and things like that. So open your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We've got to ask, what are the roots of any church that you would attend or be a part of? Uh, Good churches, again, do not do all of these things well, but we're aware of what the scriptures teach and we strive for that. We have had 11 weeks previous to this one. Uh, This week becomes kind of hard because today we are going to talk about practical aspects of church and membership and what that kind of means. I think the section Acts today covers this pretty well. But doing a sermon about churches and membership is like a minefield. I'm going to try not to get blown up today. But I probably will offend some people at some point, but but that's okay. Uh, a lot of people will come through our services today, and it uh, could be non-Christians who got dragged here or tricked here, or you know you probably don't want to be here. You may think this is going to be totally irrelevant to you. I hope not. I hope it makes some sense. Uh, some of you maybe just checking us out. Uh, maybe some of you have had a really bad church experience, and I say church membership, and you break out in cold sweats because of what has happened to you before. You swear, I'm never going to be a member again. And some of you are like, oh, I love church membership. I'm like a member of 15 churches. I'm going to deal with all you guys, okay? All you guys. Give me some grace as we talk about this. Uh, church membership kind of comes with a little bit of baggage and some things you don't understand. If you ever traveled overseas, it's kind of like this. There's like two main issues. You have a language barrier, which is you don't know what the words or what certain things mean. And then you have a cultural barrier. Like even if you speak the same language, there's a whole gulf in culture difference. Like in America, people sometimes wear these things called fanny packs. They clip them on and they walk around with them. If you said that in the U.K., it would be very offensive because in here, a fanny refers to the backside, and in the UK, it refers to a woman's front. So you don't say fanny pack, or you're being really 
rude. I, I've been to Haiti. Some of the people there speak English. And I was thinking, how would I try to explain something like Duck Dynasty to somebody in Haiti? It, no matter, I, I would just dig the hole deeper as I went because it, you can't do it. You can't do it. Apparently, if you go to Australia, you just don't blurt out, I'm stuffed, because it's rude, and it means essentially that you are illegitimately pregnant. So, so after a meal, you can be like, oh, I'm so stuffed. They'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, so you got to be careful. And this happens in churches when you talk about church membership. Uh, I, I don't blame American Express, but American Express's slogan kind of typifies how we view church membership, is that membership has its privileges. And that's what we think. We're a society that always is asking ourselves the question, why would I be a member of that if there's not something in it for me? Because as Americans, I mean, we have all of our rights. We're very concerned about making sure we get what we want, that everything revolves around us. And if you go to some place and something doesn't work out right, you're like, give me your manager or... I'm just not going to tip, and I'll show you. you. You do something like that. We have such high expectations of personal benefits with the lowest amount of commitment possible. Like if I go to Costco, and they don't have my chicken tortilla soup in the 100-pack for $2, I am angry, and I'm going to go somewhere else. How dare Costco not think about me every waking moment? Isn't that their job? And the sad part is that's how we kind of live our lives. We're trying to get the most out of everyone around us. We're giving the least we can in return. Like, I used to switch from, like, cable to Dish Network to DirecTV every year because I was trying to get the best deal. And they'd hook me up, disconnect the other guy so I didn't have to talk to them and give me a deal. I would switch from Comcast to Verizon to DSL Extreme, always trying to get the the best deal on my Internet. It's what we do. It's our culture. But we start to take that into our relationships. And you have like a needy friend. And all of a sudden, you're eventually like, man, they just need me. That's just, they need me too much. I'm just done with that. I can't handle them anymore. And that's what starts to happen. We take it into our marriages. And our marriages start to fall apart. Because we think, how, how dare my spouse not know exactly what I'm thinking and know how to meet my needs all the time? Isn't love never having to say you're sorry? It's an old movie. Okay, whatever. We take it, though, into our church experiences, and it's like, you need more programs to serve me and give me what I want and do these kind of things. And because of that mindset today, there's this trend in a lot of churches where they're doing away with membership because it is a headache. Some people see it as a us versus them mentality. Well, I'm a member and, and you're not. That, that is a non-biblical view. That is a membership has its privileges approach. What you will see in the early church is a numerical record was kept, a record was kept of widows. Elections were conducted about deacons. Uh, discipline was carried out. Elders were held accountable for members. And there is an awareness of who was a church member. But you have to understand is the church itself is actually Jesus' idea. In Matthew 16, Jesus says, on this rock I'll build my church. And as we looked at a couple weeks ago, that's not necessarily referring to Peter. It's Peter's confession of who Jesus is. In Acts 2, 37 to 47, we call this the birth of the church. It comes out of a sermon that Peter gave. These people were cut to the heart, and it says, and the Lord added to their number. 3,000 people were added that day. Added to what? The church. That's what they're added to. This body we call the church. Acts 2 says they were devoted to one another. Acts 4 tells us this. Acts, so if you're in Acts, Acts 4, verse 32, this is where we're at. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And again, that's not, that's not communism. This is the idea of generosity among the church. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds 
of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Again, they, this isn't this is they all had the private property, but they were allowed to do with it what they chose, and the church decided to be generous. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So you see the church begin to take care of people and they're early functioning in this way. Now open your Bibles over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. There's structure, they're in covenant with one another. Again, when you read the word church, the word church is a single assembly of the body of God's people. So this is the idea of everybody who believes on the planet Earth is part of the worldwide church. But there are also local expressions of that. Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth, those kind of things. The church doing what Jesus said it would do. So keep in mind Acts 4 and go to Ephesians 2. We're going to start in verse 4. And it says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Uh, By grace you have been saved. Throughout the New Testament, you will see these words of like, together and us, and this plural you coming together. So Ephesians 12, go to verse 2, verse 12. It says, remember that you, that's plural, were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, this would be the idea of the Old Testament church of God. God told his people in Israel, you are all my priests. So that made the entire nation, essentially, the church. In the New Testament, it tells you that we as believers in Jesus are his priests. We're ambassadors to the world. So we have been made part of that church. So that's how that kind of works. And strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, you, again that's plural, who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. God has sought us, God has brought us near, God has brought us together. We become one body, called the church, centered on Jesus. Go down to verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, and whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple, and him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So again, there is one church universal that Jesus died for, but there are iterations of what that looks like in our cultural context. I have been to church services in Guatemala, Haiti, Egypt, Mexico, and Thailand. They all look a little bit different. Actually, they look a lot different than you. Okay, But they all look they all look different. But when they're centered on the gospel, it is the same Jesus who is worshipped, and it is the same church, local expressions of that. Like on the day, you be, if you are a follower of Jesus, on the day you follow Jesus, you became part of the church. And many times people think about that and go, yeah, I'm part of Jesus' church. But we start to overlook where we live, work, and play, the local iterations of that. There should be local expressions of the global church that we become a part of. And and we don't become a part of it because membership has its privileges or salvation is tied to it. But it's a formalized way for us to be known by other people and for other people to actually know us for the sake of the gospel. In our gospel class, if you go through it, we define the church like this. The church is the community of Christians for all time who have been loved and saved by Jesus Christ. Nice, short, sweet, simple. 
Listen to this guy named Aaron Broquette talk about this. This is how he defines it, a little bit longer. He says, The church is the community of believers who confess Jesus as Savior and Lord, organizing under biblical qualified leadership, gathering regularly for preaching and worship, observing baptism and communion, unified by the Holy Spirit, pursuing holiness through the disciplines, and scattering to fulfill the great commandment and the great commission as missionaries throughout the world, as well as where we work, live, and play. All this to the glory of God and our great joy. A little bit longer means the same thing. The church is the people of God. It's not a building. Like you don't come here to find God and his holy aura sitting in the room. God goes with his people into a building as we gather, as we leave. The church leaves this building. Like sometimes during the week, I might be the only one here, well, me and the trash that you left and the concrete walls and the tile floor and stuff and stuff like that. And there's not a holy aura that sits in the middle of this room going, I can't wait till the people come back. That's not what it is. When the church leaves this building, we leave to become the expression of Jesus to the world around us. We gather here today together to worship God corporately. It's not just where you get your coffee and maybe your ten cookies and sit and hope on mildly entertaining as you get your spiritual fix. Because I'm not usually that entertaining. Now, I do hope you get something practical out-of-church services. I mean, I hope today is very practical for you. But if you walk out of here thinking that it's all for your benefit, you miss the point of what it means to be a member of God's church. Being a member means we have responsibilities that we fulfill. We are hopefully growing into maturity with one another in Christ being built together. We live the gospel in one another's lives. We disciple one another. It's why there are so many metaphors in the Bible about the church being a building, being a body, being called a family, brothers and sisters. It's just like your family at home or your extended family. There are different people at different growth levels in your family, and they all come together to make a family. In your family, is there somebody somewhere in your family that drives you nuts? Welcome to the church. There's somebody here that I'll do that too. Is there somebody in your family somewhere that you're like, oh my goodness, I wish they'd just mature a little bit. Yeah? There's somebody in the church like that too. I can introduce you to a few. But anyway, you know, that's what it is. We're told that God has given us natural and spiritual gifts to be the church, the people of the church, to grow up with one another into the knowing and living for Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 13, we call it the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. The reason it's there is Paul is teaching us how to live together. We are to love one another. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. These words are what is called covenantal. Covenant is about relationship. I know in our culture we're all about contracts. We love the... You go buy a car, you sign a contract. If you mess up and you don't make a payment or something, they come after you and take your car and ruin your credit because you broke the contract. This is... We're all about... Con- if somebody breaks one half of the contract, contracts are done. But covenants, if somebody breaks one half of it, a covenant can still stay in effect. We have to understand that God has made a covenant with us. God did not make a contract with us. We break our side of the covenant all the time. God has covenanted with us. God's ongoing covenant with the church is called grace. 
which means the church itself is to be in covenant relationship with one another. But so often we treat our relationship with one another in the church or with a church itself like a contract. Oh, you hurt me. Oh, you didn't give me what I wanted. Oh, you didn't understand me. I'm done. And then we go and we go to find some other place where maybe they'll give us what we want because we treat it like American Express. Membership should have its privileges. But God calls us to covenant with one another. And just like at times your family is hard, you will have some hard relationships in a church. We covenant with God. We covenant with each other. Why? One author says this. Discipleship is both an individual act and a corporate activity. So discipleship is maturing into Christ, which means no one can pray for you. I mean, we can pray for you, but no one can make you pray. You've got to pray. We can't read a Bible for you. You have to read the Bible. No one can repent for your sin. You have to do that. But we can come into one another's lives and help disciple one another as we lead one another to fully more and more submit our lives to the empowering Lordship of Jesus by how we understand the gospel. We need the body of Christ to come around us because where we are weak, where we are deficient, somebody else is strong. I mean, if you've been around a church for any length of time, you could probably think of somebody's name who maybe helped you change or grow, become better, whatever you want to say. Someone you know who maybe you would not be here today without them in your life. What that means is you are or were a recipient of the body of Christ, of the one another. Someone has poured into your life. Everything we do in life requires that has growth has should have some goals along with it. Like you've probably never gotten a job where you at least didn't have an interview or a job description or a vision or a plan. Because if you do that, you don't know what you're supposed to do at your job and you're just going to get frustrated. When we are in Christ, we're talking about growth and discipleship in salvation. Why wouldn't there be some structure around that? Why wouldn't there be something we're called into? And that's what we believe church membership is. It is not tied to your salvation, but it's probably a reflection of it. It's not meant to be some legalistic thing. It's a reflection of how we understand that Jesus has called us into something bigger than ourselves. Jesus gives his disciples what's called the Great Commission. Go into all the world, preach, disciple, baptize, go out and do these things. And then he gives us abilities and gifts to do those things. And so we would say in a local church, a member is someone who owns and understands the vision and mission of the church they are a part of, not as a recipient, but as a servant. It's someone who would give up their rights for responsibilities. Like when you come to a service, you know, whatever it is, you don't necessarily pull in the parking lot and say, oh my goodness, I hope those people didn't park out there and create that blockade so I couldn't like get my car over there and I can't get out. Oh, they're frustrating me. Or you walk in going, I hope they didn't run out of cookies yet. Or I hope Aaron's good today. I don't have a lot of those, so whatever. You know, we should come in and say, God, who do you want me to minister to today? And who do you want me to reach out to? You don't walk in saying, someone, so nobody said hi to me. Well, look around and say, God, who do you want me to say hi to? Who do you want me to reach out to? You come in with open eyes and open hearts that someone may actually need you that God may put someone in your path. You know, if you look around and you see a hole, you don't go, oh, look at that, I can't believe this. You would step in and say, let me try and fill this hole because we become servants of one another. And that hopefully begins to grow out of this room on a Sunday morning and into the rest of our lives and how we begin to live as a church outside of these walls. Do you know it is shown that people who are selfish never feel fulfilled? And where people who look to give and serve usually feel much greater fulfillment. And I know this is true in my life because there are times I've been selfish and got in exactly what I wanted and felt emptier than ever. And I know there are times that I go and I serve and I find my heart grow and it's amazing. 
When membership grows inward and becomes about benefits and not responsibility, it gets really ugly. On leadership side and on membership side, on both sides of this. I mean, sometimes leadership thinks everybody needs to serve them and give them everything and look out for them. And I mean, that gets horrible too. But I'll tell you, there's nothing more beautiful than a membership having a common vision centered around Jesus. But there are places where membership, and I've seen it, has become very toxic, where sometimes a church can't even do ministry for fear of how the membership is going to react. This is why at Element, we believe it's part of the elders and the staff's job to look at membership and make sure it's healthy. And sometimes it's not, and we need to kind of step in and do some things with that. I'll tell you, we uh, j- just in a Sunday morning context, we have had people irritated at times that they couldn't get in for like a Christmas Eve or an Easter service. So we do an extra Easter service down to make sure everybody can come in. Sometimes people walk in the back room and run out of snacks, and how dare they not have cookies for me? Okay, make some cookies. <laughs> you can bring them. I'll eat them. You know, I mean... Sometimes people come in on a Sunday morning, they can't get to a bathroom. It's like, oh my goodness, the bathroom's full and they're small and don't fall over and cut yourself because you may get like a staph infection. You know, they're not the best bathrooms in the world, okay? It's what we got. You know, sometimes the room is hot and it's stuffy. If you've been here like that, you've experienced what what that is like. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. What are we going to do? These are good problems to have. But sometimes people, they just want to come in and complain. I mean, think about it even in a a wider context than that. Think of it as you go out and we try and get you involved in gospel communities. Sometimes people go into gospel communities and they don't want to live and serve on mission. They don't want to invite new people in and go out and do these things. It's like, because we think it's all there just to serve us. I mean, sometimes I will actually even get an email that starts, I've been a member here since the beginning. And I always know that is not going to turn out well. Because it always becomes about rights and not responsibilities. Guys, when we have when we have problems where our gospel communities are full, or where this room is full, or it's hot, or things are going, on, we should praise God because those are problems that are good to have. And it saddens me at times. So often we've exchanged our responsibility for our perceived rights rather than giving up our rights for responsibilities. We are to be servants first and look for the best way to make the name of Jesus honey on everybody's lips. And that's just not in this room. That's outside these walls in everything that we do. Church membership is not membership in a country club. It's membership in a family, in a family. And families are hard. And so right there it tells you that church membership is at times going to be hard. At Element, we have three criteria for membership. This is what they are. Number one, you believe in, follow, have surrendered your life to Jesus. So if you are not a Christian today, I don't want you thinking about membership. I want you thinking about Jesus. Everything we do at Element is about Jesus and his glory. And if you don't know or walk in a relationship with Jesus, you must know that everything we do here is for his glory and with you in mind to come to know who he is. There are lots of people who give of their time and their effort and their money and their energy to make you as comfortable as you can be in this old car dealership while I get to make you as uncomfortable as possible with the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. Okay, so secondly, secondly, you have gone through our gospel class. Our gospel class is an eight-week class where it teaches you the, the, the basics of Christianity, but also elements vision, what we believe. Because if you're going to you know, hit your wagon, so to speak, to our vision, you should probably know what it is. Uh, we have had people who have gone through our gospel class and decided not to stay at element. That's okay. When people get and understand our vision, then it's like, okay, do you want to be a member or not? And if you are, then you begin to serve. And thirdly, you've been baptized. Uh, not necessarily at element, just someplace in your life you made a public confession that I'm going to follow Jesus, and you were baptized in that. And again, baptisms are next week. If you want to get baptized, you got to let us know today, because 
uh, we're not going to figure it out next week. So uh, just just be, what you have to also understand is just because someone at some point maybe followed Jesus poorly and left you a bad example does not mean that Jesus is not worth following. Membership, as I said, it's not a salvation issue, but it's a reflection of it. It's a willingness to know other people and let them know you in true gospel-centered community. And if you are someone who swore you would never be part of another church because you were so burned, take all the time you need. Take a deep breath, allow God to do his work, and someday we would hope soon you would be known. Now, I need to kind of round out with one other thing, uh, where, and this is kind of the hard part. Romans 12.5 says we're members of each other. Hebrews 13.17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as though those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Now, that verse can and has been abused. We don't want to abuse it. We don't want to make that verse self-serving. What it tells you, though, is, is that the church is like a flock of sheep and that Jesus had, has put shepherds over those sheep. Now, in one sense, in a larger context, we're all sheep, okay? I'm a sheep, we're all sheep. And that's not a compliment, okay? Sheep are not that bright. And they're, and they're not that dangerous either. You know, they're, they're not like porcupine. I guess porcupine can stick you and dogs can bite you. Elephants can step on you. I mean, cats can annoy you, you know, th- things like that. But, but sheep don't really do anything. You know, if a sheep falls down and breaks his leg, he just lays there until somebody finds him. Boom. Ah. You know, that, that's, what a, that's what a sheep does. But Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice and they come into the fold. And there's a lot of Christians out there who are outside the pen thinking, hey, I'm living life Jesus calls me to. But you're not if you're not part of a local church. He calls you part of a church. And I know a lot of people have had bad shepherds in the past. But I know of no other way to apply Hebrews 13, 17 without church membership. Without church membership. The Bible instructs us to obey our leaders, but the question's got to ask, which leaders? Is it any crazy who gets on TV and says, I'm a Christian leader? The answer is no. The leaders you look to to be under the authority are those in a local body that you have placed yourself under. That's why that happens. That's why you do that. And so when in these verses, Jesus is talking to his under-shepherds. Shepherds have to give an account for you. I'm accountable in my life to the other elders, our board, and those in my gospel community. I must be in order to be a good shepherd. And no one likes the idea of being accountable to somebody over them. But I will tell you, I am not looking forward to the day when i got to stand before God and give an account for all of you. Because you guys are knuckleheads. Okay? But i got to give an account for you. But also on the other side of that, God is going to hold all leaders to account. And that means all of you, because at some point, someplace in your life, you are a leader somewhere, whether it's at work or with your friends or in your family, maybe even here. What we have to ask is, are we serving as someone who expects rights or giving as somebody who understands responsibility? That's what we have to ask. Hebrews 13, 17 should scare a lot of people out of leadership. I'm scared, but I know I'm going to stand before God before you, and, and I love you guys. I love you guys, and, and hopefully it won't be as bad as I anticipate, but anyway. <laughs> now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. These, this early church gave to one another and loved one another. They're members of one another, and so they gave, and they are generous, and that's what the church should look like. This is what Jesus calls the church to be we got to understand that when Jesus came, Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. He rose from the grave to bring us back to life. And how did Jesus live when he was here? As a servant. And if we are going to live like Jesus, that means we also live just like servants. 
See, what we have to understand is at the cross, when Jesus dies for our sin, what separates us from us and God, he also dies for what separates us from each other. So what this does is enables us as the church, as a family, to be able to work through some hard issues. When somebody hurts you, or you hurt somebody else, or you don't understand somebody, you don't understand this thing that's happened, or you're totally frustrated, all those things that you might think were sin were dealt with at the cross. And that means you can go in and begin to restore those relationships. We can, we can become members of one another. We can actually live as the local iteration of God's global church and be able to live and be in one another's lives. This is what the gospel does. It changes us so we become the reflection of what God intended for his church to always be. His priests, his ambassadors, how we love and live in one another's lives. It's a beautiful thing that God has done that and also removed what separates us from each other. God has removed the sin, which means we as a people can be in each other's lives, even when we're frustrating to each other, and go live outside of these walls as well, being the church to the world around us. This is one of the reasons we at Element talk about communion every single week. You break that cracker like Christ's body was broken for you. You dip it in the wine of the grape juice. reminds of his blood that was shed for you and me because his body was broken and his blood was shed. So we have our sins forgiven. All that separated us from God, taking care of at the cross. But again, all that separates us from each other is taken care of there as well. And understanding the gospel means that we understand that God has called us into true community with one another. We have a membership that accounts for us because we are accounting for one another. We are in each other's lives in a way that we know one another and we are known by one another. This is what the beauty of the gospel does. It enables God's people to really live as his church. The band's going to come up as they do. We invite you guys to take communion. Uh, and remember in that place what Jesus did. Uh, there'll be some deacons and elders in the back, and if you guys need prayer, I mean, maybe you are in a spot where you, you think everything about church services should be about your rights and making sure you're taken care of and giving you things rather than looking out for other people. Well, they'd love to pray with you and maybe begin to change your mindset on that. Uh, if you have uh, prayer requests for anything, they'd love to pray with you about those things because as members of one another, we pray for one another. And there's offering boxes in the sidewall in the back, and we give because God gave so much to us. Giving is then a part of our worship. We do not pass a plate. It's a response to what he has done. And so we would encourage you to be a people who are also generous and give because God has been generous to us. And there's food and stuff in the back. We invite you to grab something to eat, uh, maybe go to lunch with somebody, go to dinner with somebody. Uh, if not... Uh, maybe get involved in the gospel community and ask yourself some, some questions this week. You know, or maybe even just those in your family. And ask questions like, you know, how, how do you view the difference between rights and responsibilities? You know, what, what kind of things maybe have you seen holes around element that maybe drive you nuts? And what kind of things could you step into? How beyond a Sunday morning can you step into one another's lives and begin to serve those around you and the community that surrounds you? You know, how can, how can we be involved in things just as simple as serve Santa Maria and begin to get involved in our community more and more and understand what mission outside these walls actually looks like, living and being the church? Kind of talk about all of those things. That's because God has saved us, and he has sent us on mission, and the only way we do that is with each other. We live in one another's lives, living the vision that he has given us to be his people, redeemed and saved and knowing him. I, I tell you, if you look around this room, people who believe, you're going to be with them for eternity. 
as dysfunctional as we all are, right? Just be like, woo, this will be a fun eternity. Is there an ending to that? Nope. Nope. But I think one day we will understand the, the beauty of what God has done at the cross to make us into the family that he calls us to be. I mean, our God is so much greater and so much more good than we can ever imagine. And he wants us to live out that goodness in one another's lives. Let's pray. Father, this morning I ask that you would teach us what it means to be a people who honor you by how we love one another. That we would understand, first and foremost, our lives are about your glory. That we would understand the gospel of how you have come to rescue and save us. That all of our lives would be surrendered to who you are. But in the understanding of the gospel, we would also get it deep into our bones that we are meant to be a people in relationship with one another. That a membership that accounts for us would mean that we are members of one another. We'd be able to hold one another to account, to step into each other's lives and to love each other in a way that reflects who you are. that we would walk this road that we are on together. That we would lift one another up when we fall. That we'd always return each other's focus back to the all-encompassing goodness of the good news of you and what you have done in our lives. We ask that you would teach us what it means to truly be members of one another. Grow us, truly, into your church, into your priesthood, into your ambassadors, into your people in this world, so the whole world would know how good you are because of how you have saved us. We ask this in your son's good name. Amen.